You are now listening to the Purpose Edit Podcast. You gotta be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweets to be successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game that's necessary and get through it. Welcome to the Perfect Status Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose. Two, walk in your purpose. And three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined as always by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. Man, what's up? What's up, Shane? How you holding up today? Cooling, big dog. How you doing? Oh, Are you cooling? No, nah, I was about to say something crazy. I caught myself. Man, see. It didn't come to me quick enough, so I was like, I let it go. I'm glad you have that filter. <laughs> uh, if people only knew the stuff that comes out of your mouth when you don't catch it. Yeah, I know. I know I'm guilty. It's okay. We, we're all guilty of it. I mean, but that's what makes you uh, unapologetically unique. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How, How you doing? Like, How's your week? You know what? The week the week was good, man. The week was real good because um, I, for some reason, have had a bunch of people from overseas connecting with me based on the posts we've been doing um, around the show. And like they're like, I mean, from Singapore, uh, I had someone from Finland reach out. I had someone from I mean, Ethiopia. Last Ethiopia time. was the last time like. There have just been numerous people, hey, we see what you're doing. We like it. We're getting a lot of support for the show. I don't know what uh, the stats say about our views. I don't know if you checked them out, but I would hope that they're continuing to go up. Uh, I checked the numbers last night. We are not up um, for this week, but we had a big a big last two weeks, really. Um, but you know, the beauty of this, right, is like there's so many people on this planet, and we just ain't got to pop everywhere. We just got to pop somewhere. So <laughs> Singapore, I'll take it. <laughs> you don't have to pop everywhere. We gotta pop somewhere. Man, I love that. In fact, man, we ain't gotta pop everywhere. We just, you know, I'll take it. Any anywhere, any which way it comes, man. Well, I tell you what, I, I want to introduce our guest today, uh, because he is part of the reason that we have been able to pop somewhere <laughs> so far. Uh for our audience, for our, our listeners, we have uh, a loyal listener, supporter of the show, Mr. Daniel Whitehouse, and I'll give a, a quick intro on him. Um, today's topic, we're talking to uh, Daniel Whitehouse, who is the owner or co-owner, if I'm not correct, you'll have to correct me on that, of Whitehouse & Cooper, which is a Florida-based law firm. Uh, this law firm assists businesses with their legal needs. They focus on business law, technology law, intellectual property, which that's something I want to pick your brain about, marketing law, and other areas that affect businesses. Today, if you haven't figured out, we're talking about entrepreneurship. And in the new year, everybody wants to start a business. Everybody wants to be a business owner. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out what it takes to actually do it. Some other info I want to make sure you understand about who we're talking to today, this distinguished guest. He's an award-winning Florida attorney. Uh, he previously served on the board of directors for the South Lake Chamber of Commerce. Uh, he also participates in numerous sections and committees within the various bar associations. I believe he's acting chair of one of the associations, if I'm not uh, mistaken. He has managed several IT infrastructures for some of the world's largest companies while working for 
the largest international IT service provider. Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and an MBA at Weber University. Attended Stetson Law, where he was the co-valedictorian of his class, which means he got, you know, high grades, like the highest. <laughs> That's what that means, folks. He's a husband and father of two daughters. Please welcome Mr. Daniel Whitehouse. Daniel. Oh. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I, I've listened to every episode of the podcast so far, and I look forward to being a guest on this one. So thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, you and Shane, from my understanding, had a prior connection. Yeah, when Daniel was my first drum instructor. Like, he gave me one of my first private lessons and I guess kind of ignited this little fire that I had that got me into really in the drumming and being a percussionist. Well, well we're, we're all West Orange High grads as well, so. Yeah, yeah that's the connection, place. yeah. <laughs> West Orange County, I did not know that. And I was wondering, I'm like, when the show first started and Shane, I was like, who is this Daniel Whitehouse guy? <laughs> he comments on everything. I, I appreciate his support. He was like, oh, that's just Daniel. I'm like, okay, <laughs> Daniel <laughs> I, I appreciate the support. And I've always been curious, why have you watched or listened to every episode? Like this one's personal. Um, you know, seeing Shane come up from, from where we came from out of, you know, winter garden and West orange high school and seeing the things that, that he continues to accomplish. Dr. Calhoun. Now it, Dr. It, Cal. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it, it's incredibly motivating. And, you know, again, watching, watching his progress through the years and seeing how he motivates others. I, I knew that there was going to be something special behind this podcast. And, and that's why I've listened to, to every episode and, and I get something out of every single one of, even if what I get out of it, isn't the message or the, the purpose behind each one of them. I, I learn something, I get some sort of unique insight or, or some motivation to go about the rest of the day after listening to it. So you, you're, you're doing good things with this and it, your reasons for doing it may not be the reasons that your audience takes away from it, but keep doing what you're doing. It works. We appreciate man, that, awesome. man. Man, that's dope. Man, we appreciate, we appreciate that, that. That's humbling to hear that, you know? You just never know the impact that you have until somebody gives you a little bit of feedback. So, mm -hmm. hey, uh, Shane, we can't quit. I know we talked about quitting last night. We got to keep. keep going. <laughs> I was ready to throw in the towel, but thanks to Daniel again. Daniel saves the day. <laughs> we got to keep going. Well, Shane, do this. Take us down what blew your mind lane. Um, couple of things. The one that I want to focus on is the power of people around you. Um, like it's been weird the last couple of weeks. I've been watching you. I don't want to say explode, but I've been watching you like work with a new level of work ethic that has, um, motivated me to like, yo, you gotta, you gotta do better. Um, another example of that is, um, like getting ready for Daniel. I knew Daniel. I've been knowing Daniel all my life. I knew what he did. I've had the conversation, but I, I didn't go read no bio. <laughs> so when you said, when you said you do this, you do that, I was like, dang it. Why did I think of that? And it's just because of, of the people in the company that you keep around you. Same thing with Daniel. Like um, Daniel is the sole reason why I voted this year. If it wasn't for Daniel talking to me about the power of voting and, 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 and lifting your voice, I, I would have skipped this election out. 
Um, so it's it's just important, you know, another guy that I'm doing business with, um, my partner, Arby Reese, right now, he runs a basketball training league. And he is 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 just putting in work, work. He's everywhere. And you're just starting to see the development of the basketball in the county. So just the power of the people around you and staying connected to people that's in good soil. Like this week, you shot me a text about stop talking about the Trumpers and the negativity. And I'm going to keep talking about it because it's blowing my mind. But you need somebody in the room to say, hey, man, yo, go sit down somewhere, do something different, think about this differently. And too many of us don't have those people around us. So just the power of company, bro. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what's blowing my mind today and this morning. Listen, energy. I was just listening to Eric Thomas podcast, the latest episode. They talk the, about what's that. the name again? I just listened to uh, it. Ken, Ken, Ken something. Kenjutsu something. Yeah, Kenjutsu, yeah. yeah. Something like that. I'm probably yeah. messing that up. But like minds. Yeah, they talk about like minds. They talk about energy and how contagious it is. It, they talk about the people you surround yourself. And we all have heard and know that energy is contagious, but it got me thinking about that. Uh, they were describing what Eric Thomas was like before he blew up, when he was just yeah. walking around. Walking around the campus. Michigan yeah. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it got me thinking like, when you walk around, do you talk to total strangers? Do you do you say hello to total strangers, especially in this time now that we have on masks and we can kind of hide a little bit more and mm-hmm. it's almost like a social norm to not speak to people, right? Because you yeah. got on this mask. But before that, do you speak to people? Do you, do you make eye contact and try to engage with total strangers? Do people enjoy being around you, man? Your energy is felt way beyond what you can fathom, way 100%. beyond that. 100%. And that's why people stay connected to you. And that's why people help you and support you. So uh, that was a good, that was a good confirmation mm-hmm. of, of something that I always knew. Daniel, for you, how, how has that played a factor in, you know, the company that you keep uh, energy, uh, the people around you? It is very, very easy to have people drag you down and, and consume your energy in ways that you, that you don't even realize. And, you you experience it most in dealing with people who are negative and it, it it might be negativity about one particular topic but you 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 find people who unfortunately just have a very negative view on yeah. life they got and, a solution for every problem yes yes and 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 on top of that none of those solutions fall within them it's always somebody did this to me somebody did that to me if this person hadn't didn't done this and this person hadn't done that i could have gone on and done all of these things as opposed to looking inside yourself and saying, what can I do to get where I want to be? And what little bitty step, it only takes one step, one step at a time to get to where you want to be. And it might not be tomorrow. It might not be next month, but if you never take that first step, you're never going to reach that destination. Yep. Absolutely. I shared a, shared a post not too long ago. It said, focus on the step in front of you, not the whole staircase. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. oftentimes, we, we, that's what we do. The, the task or whatever's in front of us is so big, it becomes daunting. And then that's when fear plays a factor. But if you just narrow your focus, focus on this one step, man, you, it's so much that you can get accomplished and build momentum behind. Yeah, Will Smith describes it as if you're building a wall, you don't just throw up all the bricks. You lay one brick at a time, lay down the foundation one brick at a time. Hey, well, as we talk about foundations, uh, Daniel, I would love for you to share your journey up to this point. Uh, what has been the foundation of why you chose the path that you chose? Yeah, and it's not one that that is very clear. That's, that's for sure. I, I often tell people that 
I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you heard a little bit in the intro. I, I was a musician in high school. I used to play drums as well. And I fully thought that I would have a, a music career for the rest of my life. And it didn't work out that way. I, I, I realized that music was a hobby and not a career for me. Those, those who were able to make it a career, more power to them. But that wasn't the path for me. Good verbiage. So I decided at that time after high school that I was going to explore another passion I had at the time, which was more this more technology. So I, I got a degree in computer science. I worked in an IT world for a, a whole bunch of years. And then I realized that <clears throat> IT wasn't for me. <laughs> so I went to law school at a later stage in life and graduated after having already been in the IT field, having a career in IT and started over. I, I went, you know, I, I think I was around 30 years old when I went to law school. So I, and, and that's hard to do, right? I mean, it's hard to maintain a mortgage and have a family and also go to school while still having to work full time because I, mm -hmm. I did not have the opportunity to not work while going to school. And I, I feel that I'm better for having gone, gone through those struggles. Yeah. yeah. So fast forward, it's graduation time. And now you have the question of well, what, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Well, for, for somebody who's already established, and, and th there's, no, there's no pride in this. This is just facts. For somebody who's already established and had a career starting over at a very minimum salary range in the legal field wasn't something that I could do and still maintain my obligations at the time. So the best decision for me at the time was to start my own firm, build my own firm, and create the practice the way that I wanted to be so that I could live the lifestyle. And if I want to go off and, you know, attend a community event at some point during the day, I have the flexibility to do that. If I need to pick up my kids from school because one of them is sick, I have the ability to do that while still being able to make a living and afford the things that, that we like to do. So my path led me to starting my own firm out of law school. My, my law partner was clerking for a federal judge at the time, and she and I share similar technology backgrounds, similar interests. So we talked about starting a firm together. She had, a, uh, she had to finish her clerkship with the federal judge at the time. So I started the firm, got, got things off the ground, and uh, she joined me you know, six months, nine months, something like that later after a few things had already been in, in play. Uh, I've, I've had some very good fortune as far as uh, people I've known throughout my, my life who, who will continue to support me. And one great example of that is I, I got sworn into the bar on a Tuesday and I had my first client by that Friday and wow. happened to be somebody who went to our high school. Bit. <laughs> Man, connections. People. That's it. That's it. Not not burning not burning bridges and people knowing that they have the opportunity to reach out and ask questions and and hopefully get the best advice that 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 they're able to get from me at that time. So that's uh, that's how I try to live my life. That, that's what I try to do. And 
so far so good. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but <laughs> we'll, we'll take it one day at a time. Me neither. <laughs> so when you started the firm back then, was it focused on uh, helping people to start and run businesses even back then? Or it, has it shifted the focus? It, it, it has narrowed in focus. I've always worked with businesses. We, we've always been technology-centered. So when I, when I say that, most of our clients are technology companies or have some sort of technology issue to deal with. And that is because of our collective background. And, and we add something different to to the equation when we're working with a technology company, speak the same language. So, you know, a software company that needs to talk about APIs or open source software or anything like that, they don't have to come to me and explain to me what that is in order for me to create a licensing agreement for them. Mm. Now I have helped other companies that are not technology start or expand or handle their, their contracts or uh, employee issues and things of that nature. But, Businesses that are, are not in technology, they can go to any business lawyer and get largely the same advice. It's just a matter of who they prefer to work with. So uh, th- there's not a whole lot that's unique about me in that regard to uh, dealing with other people. You know, it's, I hear a couple of things in that that, you know, um, stood out to me. You said when finishing law school, you were you had obligations you had responsibilities that you still had to maintain and so starting over at entry level was not going to work and what you did instead of conforming to the constructs of the world you went and created your own which mm-hmm. i'm sure was scary yeah still is 10 years <laughs> later <laughs> Every day, <laughs> which is funny. I, I was going to say this at the beginning, but I caught myself like we all we're all talking about stimulus checks and what the government has given us. Hey, the best stimulus you can ever create is just your own business. You know, you want a stimulus go and and it's not going to be immediate. Um, we're learning that um, as we overcome fears and build businesses and brands and ourselves. Um, it's a slow process. It's a slow grind. But the quicker you start is the quicker you can begin to see those things, those fruits. So let's, let's get into that from, from two perspectives and from, okay. from first on the, how you start and second on what you do to start. Right. So okay. there's a little yeah. difference in those. So pen and paper ready. <laughs> I, I'm going to flip the, the equation on the discussion here for a little bit, because anybody can start a business. It's, it's very, very easy to start a business. And I'll give you a few tips on what I tell anybody who's looking to start a business that they can get up and running in, in fairly short order. But what type of business are you going to start? Are you going to start a business where, where it is purely service-oriented, where your time is the only time that can be invested in the business? And if, if you can't be working on the business right now, the business is not making money, that, that is a very singular business. That is not one that perhaps may be expandable, that, that could allow you to go off and take a vacation and still have operations running, Okay. Um, so you, I, I prefer working with technology companies because they are exponential growth organizations. And what I mean by that is they create something that is many times able to be reused over and over and over. So software mm-hmm. is a perfect example of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I create a piece of software and I put it out on the app store for either consumers or other businesses or, or whatever, if I create this thing, All I have to make sure I'm doing as the business owner is 
that is ensuring my software is up and running, that it's still working. And then I can spend my time promoting the software, identifying yeah. those who are best to be users of it. The, mm-hmm. the business is up and running. The software is out there and you can go download it right now. You can, you can you know, pay me my, my monthly subscription or annual subscription without me having to do a thing. It didn't cost me anything more to get your business other than identifying you and helping you understand why you should be using my software. So that's, that's my encouragement to every business owner. When, when you think about your model, are you creating a model that requires you to be the sole person who is generating the ideas, marketing the ideas, implementing the ideas, delivering the product, driving to the post office, right? Remitting the sales tax to the state, you know, handling all of those, those different things. If so, your growth is limited from the start. The only way you're going to be able to expand that business is by hiring other people to do the things for you that you don't want to do anymore. Well, isn't that like a step of scaling? Like once you start hiring people, like you're scaling the business to handle those things. And I agree. I recently heard on a other podcast called Tweet Talk. like, if you are having to do your day in and day out operations with a business, it's not really a business. It's a job. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they say you can't work in your business and on your business at the same time. In yep. and on, that's good. In yep. and on. So let, let's take your t-shirt business for, for a moment, Shane. Mm-hmm. And let, let's pick it apart. You could be the, the business that is having you generate the ideas for the shirts, market the shirts, print the shirts, take them to the post office, do, you know, from, from start to finish, you, you could be the person that says you're getting a custom product that I have had my hands on and everything is tailor-made to whatever you want or, or to that, that personal touch that I'm adding, mm-hmm. but you're limited by the amount of hours that you're hours able to have in a day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how could you, and, and I'm sorry, you may be doing this already. I, I don't know the ins and out of your business, but it's, it's just a good example. I think. How could you instead use other services to help with some of the delivery of that so that your focus is on the idea generation and maybe the, the marketing generation? So, you know, third-party companies that, that could handle the, the, the printing and shipping for you. Yeah, you, you're probably going to make a, a, a few cents less on, on each one of those, but your time is not spent dealing with working in the business when you're working on expanding the business. So I, I've gone way off topic here, but, but well, no, this, that, that, this that's is right on. Vic is getting some cheaters here because he's, he's also started the t-shirt thing too. So like we both got pillars going in, uh, well, same directions, but we got, you know, we're moving on different things. Um, sounds, sounds like you're competitors. So that, it does sound like we're competitors. Competition brings success, I, baby. I tried to tell him that, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's the challenge. I think that's the challenge. And without being too specific about some of the stuff that we are doing, I think that's the challenge with any business. And I think most people starting business can't see the business outside of them, if that makes right. sense. Right. So one of your last episodes was talking about planning, you know, the, the analysis paralysis yeah. and, and how long you spend planning and you're going to have every detail worked out. You know, I've, I've seen business plans that are 50 pages and people spend months and months on end tweaking and revising and scrapping and, and doing all of those types of things. What I'm talking about 
for for my advice to business owners. I, I mean, sure, if you want to write a 50-page business plan that is going to be your guide, go for it. But don't get to that analysis paralysis state where you spend more time ensuring that the plan is right. Perfect. And, and yeah, it, that it's perfect, right? It's not going to be perfect. There is no business plan that has ever ever been purposed. And, and, and if it was, I, I couldn't imagine what, who that company would be. I mean, none of the successful entities have set out to do exactly the, what they said they were going to do at every step of the way. There, there's a concept, as I was listening to that episode, I, I kept thinking about this concept in technology, where when you're creating a product, you always create what, what they call the MVP, the minimum viable product. And that is just enough to put it out in the market to mm. get feedback from your users that allows you to take the next step. Because what you think might be what your users want and what your users actually want could be totally different. So do, you know, do you spend $100,000 on investment of uh, developing an application only to find out that nobody wants to use it because you, you, you could have made very early changes that, that would have uh, been more user-friendly or whatever functionality they, they really wanted, you, you just didn't have your finger on. So you spend, let's say, $5,000, $10,000, a, a, a small percentage of the total spend of this, pro, this, uh, this platform or, or product that you're building, and you get feedback at every step of the way. You iterate, you make changes, you adjust. That's how any business needs to operate. Take that concept of the MVP for developing software or, or, or products and run your business that way. That's interesting that you say that, you know, especially as it uh, follows up, you know, that episode we talked about in terms of the plan. You know, I, I heard somewhere uh, most of the time in, um, in business, like you, you've kind of mentioned already, is that you don't know how people will use your thing, your service, whatever it is that you provide. You know, you have this idea of how it will be used, but you don't know actually how it's used. And you think about all the different uh, software applications and whatnot that are out there that when you talk to people, they'll tell you, I use it this way. I know it's designed for this, but I technically use it this way, you know, and that's how businesses shift. There was something else I heard about where in the planning phase, people make all these business plans and they try to get all set up and be perfect. And by the time that they actually put it out to market, so much time has passed that it becomes obsolete. obsolete. It's not that's right. That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, it further uh, reinforces the idea that, yes, you should get it out and you should get it out in small phases to get feedback. I love that MVP idea. Definitely taking that. Definitely. If you pay close attention to a lot of the products that Google launches, many of them say that they're in beta. Form. Beta. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Testing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Gmail was in beta form for years and years and years. Google Docs was in beta form for years and years and years. They've continued to test. Now, other people say, well, it's also so that if they want to take it down, <laughs> they can say, oh, well, it's just been in testing all this time, regardless of however many million subscribers we had. But we're, it does, that, that part doesn't matter. What, whatever their end goal is, they're continuously testing their products. They're continuously making them better for us as users. And many of them happen to be free. So yeah. let, let's, you know, we, we talked about sort of the, 
the structure on how you how you formulate the business idea and what what you're going to do with it. But uh, some of the nitty gritty on how you actually form the business. I, I usually discuss three types of businesses with people, and that's the sole proprietorship, the LLC or limited liability company, or a corporation. And I'm just going to go ahead and scratch one of those off the list right now, which is the sole proprietorship. And th that is many people say, well, it's so easy to just get a sole proprietorship. It, it's just a fictitious name that allows me to, to run my business as Daniel's business and more. The problem with the sole proprietorship, yes, it is easy. I agree 100%. But you have zero liability protection from a sole proprietorship. So, you know, one of the other concepts you guys talk about a lot is, is generational wealth and how you build generational wealth. If you're putting not only your business wealth and your business assets and business income at risk, and, and you're including all of your personal assets, uh, in some states that even includes your home in, in Florida, it, it does not, you do have homeowner, you have protection from, from your homestead, but in some states it, it include, include your house. So if you run a business and you're putting your house up at risk for running this business, that's not pr protecting generational wealth. That... <laughs> Your generations will be out on the street. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So sole proprietorship. Yes, it's easy. I have never, ever recommended anyone to operate as a sole proprietorship. And those who come to me and say, well, I've been doing this for this many years because it's easy. I say, okay, let's talk about getting you into one of the other forms because guess what? It's not that much harder. It does cost a few dollars, but it's not that much harder. So is a sole proprietor different to an S corps? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, yes, very much so. So the other two are LLCs or corporations. I most of the time recommend an LLC for people because they are very similar to sole proprietorships in that they can be uh, pass-through entities. If you are the only owner of that company, you can have everything on your personal tax return, your, your, your 1040 tax return. You don't even have to file a tax return for the business itself. And it's considered what the IRS calls a disregarded entity. You get liability protection by operating as an LLC and doing business in the name of that LLC. So rather than it being Daniel's business and more, we can call it Daniel's business and more LLC. The process to get that is different in every state, but you do have to register with your state's division of corporations. In Florida, I think it's $125 for the first year to create your LLC, and then it's $138.75 every year thereafter. Now, Yes, that's a little bit more money than, than uh, sole proprietorship in the state of Florida. But in comparison to putting all of your personal assets at risk, and, and by the way, when I, when I say per, putting your personal assets at risk, even if you have another job that, that is helping you fund and expand your business, your wages from that other job could potentially be garnished mm -hmm. by your, your debts and your liabilities that result from your business endeavor if you're operating at a sole proprietorship. So mm -hmm. I, I just cannot dissuade people from, from doing that more. But the LLC protects against that. Yes, sir. LLC does. So, so now you're dealing with a, a shell. You're dealing with whatever assets and liabilities exist with inside that LLC. That's what your creditors are, are eligible to uh, come after in the, in the event that you, that you have uh, some, some loss for the creditors. So, 
the key to that is number one, you, you file with the state. Number two, you operate in the name of that LLC. So, you know, you, you open accounts, whether it's uh, with vendors or any bank account or credit cards or, you know, anything along that line, it's separate from your personal finances, totally separate. And the third step of that is the, the, the debts and the credits associated with the business, meaning, you know, somebody buys one of your products, it goes into the business bank account. You buy something to pay one of your vendors, you do that out of the business bank account. You cannot go to the grocery store and use that business bank account to pay yourself as the owner of the company and buy whatever personal items you're looking to do, thinking that it's, it's my money because I'm the only owner. I'm just going to go and, and, and spend it. It doesn't work that way. Doing that puts your personal assets at risk because now from the government standpoint, if, if there's ever a, an issue with a creditor, they're saying, well, you're not operating this as a business. You're operating yeah. it as your personal checkbook. So why should we give you the protection of this corporate entity when you didn't operate like a corporate entity? Is that where they talk about crossing the veil? Piercing the corporate veil is the, is the concept. Yes, it's, mm -hmm. it's piercing the corporate veil. So the corporate veil is the LLC that, that you've established. And if you don't follow just, I mean, this isn't hard to do, guys. You know, it, it, it's not hard to say when I get money, it's going in the business bank account. When I pay somebody, it's coming out of the, the business bank account. When I need to pay myself, I'm going to write a check from the business bank account to myself. I'm going to deposit that in my, my, my personal bank account or cash it or, or do whatever. So, and that was a question that I had two questions that I had is in, how do you pay yourself? Mm -hmm. Right. As a, as an employee of the business, the second piece is in the beginning, you're scaling and you have to oftentimes use your own money. So how are you able to use your own money to help grow the business initially without piercing the veil? Yeah, great question. Great question. So th there's two ways you can use your own money. Number one is the opposite of what I just mentioned, which is uh, you write a check to the business, you pay, you know, you put that money into the business, and then the business pays those vendors. That is treated as a capital contribution on your books and records of the company. And your, your CPA, your accountant can, can tell you how you handle all those types of things at, at the end of the year for, for tax time. The, the other way is um, a, a little more convoluted. If let's say you didn't have, let's say you needed to make a, a, a big investment. You need to buy, you know, $5,000 in equipment or supplies or something like that. And you didn't have $5,000 personally sitting in the bank, but you have, uh, you know, $10,000 credit card limit. Could you go and spend, buy that $5,000 of, of material on your, your personal credit and then put it into the business and then have the business reimburse you? Yes, you can, but you just need to track all of that from where that $5,000 came from. It, it, it's technically now, now you have put $5,000 of product into the business as mm. opposed to $5,000 of, of actual money. And at what point do you get reimbursed for uh, that product that you put in, or does it just remain what's called a capital contribution on, on the books of the company? But so yeah. Yeah, yes, you can do that. My preference is if, if you have the cash sitting in your personal bank account to put that into the company and then use that to, to pay the vendors, because then it, it's entirely clear then. So I have a Shane question. 
Okay. If you have an LLC without a bank account, you pretty much don't have a business. Like, mm. where's the money? It's it's all <laughs> the yeah on the other side of the veil. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you're using your personal money, but that's not recognized. Like it's kind of what you said. If we're not okay. Yeah, you're not operating as a like the business isn't operating. Shane or you, the business owner, is operating. Is operating, so therefore it's it's separating for the business. So the money has to be over there. Okay. So so here I'm gonna insert some some personal uh, opinion on on this as well because um, when you're just starting out on a business and and you think about all of all of these formalities, like I, I got to go to the bank, I got to start an account, I got to do this. And what are the bank fees? You know those types of things. There are banks that are much more willing to support small businesses and don't charge monthly fees on um, you know whatever your accounts are. Highly, highly recommend you look into those. Those are the ones that are there to support you. So you, you should be supporting them. And then look into things like their, their merchant processing and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, a lot of people are using uh, either, um, you know, Stripe or um, PayPal or uh, Square, or, you know, any of these types of uh, merchant processes for, for collecting credit card fees. And th- those come at least with three percent charge on on each one of those when it when it goes to the business. So you know, look at what your bank has to offer. Uh, there's also one company that uh, we've we've been looking at called Card X C A R D the letter X dot com, and rather than the business paying the credit card fees, they pass that on to the consumer. So if a, con- a consumer wants oh. to pay if a consumer prefers to pay by card as opposed to paying by cash or check or, or whatnot then the consumer can elect to uh, pay that that three percent fee or, or, or whatever it is to, directly to them you you never receive the fee i mean hey, folks, this this is free game that you are getting please take notes and go find somebody else to share this with yeah this is ridiculous you're getting free game well, you said other banks to open do you have like one or two that you would recommend i i prefer local community banks personally credit unions yeah credit unions are usually fantastic um you know and and the other part of it is you establish a relationship with a person at the bank and you ask them for things that you need when you don't actually need them if if you're in a situation where you've got to go to a bank when you need a loan oh yeah that, that's not a good time to be asking for a loan. <laughs> leverage. I mean, when you think about it, leverage, right? They, Absolutely. The, the leverage is in their hands. It's just a sales tactic in terms of negotiating. Who has the power? Like, I don't need a loan right now, but you know what? We're thinking about it. Yep. They're going to try to sell you on their products. And a, and a line of credit doesn't cost you a whole lot to have. And it's it's best to get a line of credit when you don't need it as opposed to when, to when we need you do. It. Yep. 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 Okay. So, Thinking about the process of starting a business, like you talked about all these different steps, you talked about purchasing equipment, right? Um, if you, oftentimes you hear this, people will get the LLC, they'll start the bank account. Uh, it's my understanding you can't apply for a business credit card until after the business is operated for some bit. Nope. 
Nope. There's, there's one other step in the middle there. And that okay. is um, before you apply for the business credit card, you need an EIN number. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, that takes five minutes to do. It's online. And it's free. It's free. It's IRS. Uh, IRS Stop paying people to get your EIN people. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Don't, don't pay anybody. In fact, you don't have to pay me to set up your LLC. Nope. <laughs> this, nope. You can go on the division of corporations for whatever state you're in. You can file it there. They ask for address. They ask for, uh, they usually want to know who the registered agent is. Sometimes people ask about what a registered agent is in, in Florida. It means it's, it's somebody who's available to uh, collect service of process between the hours of, of 10 and two Monday through Friday. So people will many times list their home address for the registered agent. Same thing with the mailing address for the business. Uh, a lot of times people ask me, can I, can I use a PO box? You can use a PO box for the mailing address for the business, but oftentimes they need to know the physical address of the business and, and PO boxes don't, don't work for that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I neglected to mention the corporations earlier. So just really quick on Go for it. because that is one of the, the, the third type of entity. I, unless there are people who are saying we're going to go and seek outside investors and, you know, technology companies, right? They're always talking about investors and, and who's going to be part of their business. I have a discussion with them to say, how many investors are we talking about? When, when you tell me you're going to seek an investor, are we talking about friends and family and, and you know, we're five or 10 people? Or are you saying this company is going to scale and eventually be traded on a public stock exchange, you know, have a, have an IPO or initial public offering. If they tell me they're going the IPO route and they they have uh, aspirations that large, then we're going to form a corporation from the start. If they tell me, no, 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 it it might be five people who are going to invest. We want to keep this close knit. We're we're going to work, work on the business together. These are people I trust. Then we're starting an LLC. It's a lot easier to manage an LLC than it is a corporation. And if we're talking about only uh, a few people here who are going to be the owners, then I'm going to recommend an LLC nine times out of 10. It's only when the structure of the investors is is larger, meaning there's multiple investors and you need different, uh, let's say, classes of, of investors where these people might not have voting rights on the company. They're going to be called you know, silent partners or whatnot. Then we'll create corporations. But other times, it's going to be an LLC. Hmm. All right. Can we take a side street for a second? Sure. Trademarks, copyrights, uh, intellectual property. Yes. What can you offer in terms of advice? Great question. And I'll I'll tell you the advice that I I tell everybody who calls me and talks about trademarks. First of all, if you have, uh, so so somebody will go online, they'll they'll pay somebody to create a logo and they'll say, I'm going to trademark this. Nobody else is ever going to use my logo. I don't care how much it costs. This is what I want to do. File my trademark for me. And I stop them right there (laughs) for a few reasons, because the first one is, well, for, who did you pay to create this logo? Do you actually have the rights to this logo? Or did you go on some public clip art and download it and now you're, you're claiming ownership of, of this logo? So we, we need to start with who the owner of this logo actually is. And do you, the person who's asking me to trademark it, have that ownership? You'd be surprised how many times people say that they don't really have the ownership. So that, that's number one. We're gonna, we're gonna flesh that out. Number two is... If you're just starting a business, 
how can you look me in the eye and tell me that this is going to be the logo for the rest of your company's life and, and it's worth the investment of going and paying for the, the, the fees to trademark that logo? I, I'll tell you, I see logos change about every two years. That, that's the cycle that I see with most businesses. They, they tweak it or they rebrand or they, they move, they iterate, they pivot. We talked about that earlier. The same thing happens with the branding of the business. They last, I mean, and this is not scientific, guys. This is, this is just observational, but it seems like every two years, somebody changes their logo. It takes about a year to trademark a logo. Well, yeah. no, no, no. To, oh, for the oh. for the process, from the for time the we file, oh. the time we file your logo to to, to seek a, a federal trademark, it can take up to a year before you have the paperback in your hand. So that's one year out of the observational two year lifespan of of a logo. Now, it costs a lot more to trademark a logo than it does just a name. So if your business name, is, we, we've used this before, Daniel's Business and More. So if, if I wanted to trademark that so that nobody else could use Daniel's Business and More in, in whatever category of business I'm doing, I can trademark that name irrespective of the logo. And everywhere I use that name, I will have that brand protection by the, 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 the federal rights that are granted to me my name might be much more valuable than that logo that I'm probably going to change in a, in a couple of years from now. You said two things. You said trademark it in the industry I'm in. So is it when you create a trademark, is it, is it only in your industry? It is specific to how you're using it, how you're describing it with, uh, with the federal government in, in, the, in the trademark register. So perfect example of that. McDonald's restaurant versus McDonald McDonald's hardware. Okay. McDonald's restaurant and, and, you know, food and beverage industry type of thing isn't going to be able to claim any issues against McDonald's hardware that's operating down the street here. Okay. Now, if McDonald's hardware uses golden arches <laughs> and makes their hardware store look like a, a, a restaurant, restaurant, right? Now, obviously they're, they're trying to confuse the consumer and that's a whole different, different issue. Um, but just saying that nobody else in the world can use the term McDonald's when that could be my name, you, you can't prevent me from using my name as long as I'm not interfering or trying to confuse the consumers in my separate industry. Is the process for trademarking a name versus a logo shorter? It takes about the same time for them to process everything, but the the amount of research before you file is longer with a, with a logo versus uh, versus a name. So what I tell everybody is, when you can tell me you found your Nike swoosh and you want to trademark that Nike swoosh as your logo, then fine, let's trademark the logo. But until then, let's trademark your name. And then when you have that Nike swoosh, we can, we can trademark that logo. But chances are you're going to thank me in two years from now when you say, yeah, we already, already did this. So where does the technology bit come in? So you, you said you're a, you're a technology lawyer, but you yeah. laid down all this free game about running and starting a business. Like, where does the technology lawyer part come in? What is that about? How do they tie together? 
So the conversation that we're having here is what I have with every founder who comes to me and says, I'm going to start a company. What, what we've been talking about so far applies to everyone the same you know, gotcha. as far as, as far, how, how you're structuring the business, LLC, corporation, you know, whatnot, how you're going to take day one of the business, all the things that you need to do. And frankly, where you should be spending the money on starting up the company. And, you know, something like, like trademark is, uh, is a question we receive a lot. And gotcha. I just want to make sure they understand that it's a long process and that it's, it's not the cheapest thing either. And so is this the best use of your money right now? Or should you be focusing on how you're going to grow the business, expand the business, because you, you're not prevented from using that mark. In, in fact, you have to be using it in commerce already before you can register. Trademark it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It has wow. to be out there in the wild. Well, it's the same thing with like music. I get into that conversation a lot with people where like they'll make music and they won't put it out because it hasn't been copywritten. <laughs> and I'm like, fam, it's just, it's like, you know, technically you have case once you put it out that, um, Common, common law copyright. Common law. Yep. So common if you law. run with that and then, you know, you just put it out and then go with it. So it's just a, it's one of those, like we've been talking about fear over moving forward. Like one more thing in the plan that just kind of holds you back from moving forward. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and that doesn't help you. Uh, you. You mentioned music and copyright. Let, let's just dispel one rumor now. I'm sure you probably heard this uh, along the way about, should I, uh, should I, take a copy of whatever it is that I've made and mail it to myself and, and, yeah. and not, not open it. No, there's no protection for that whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> None at all. Here, I think here was a thought that I had. My wife and I talk about this all the time because you see people, uh, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Sure. Not everybody's willing to put in the work. Of course not. Right. So you see it from the legal standpoint. You also see it as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. I'd love to get your thoughts on the mentality side of it. What does it take for someone to truly be an entrepreneur? What are your thoughts on that? Love the question. I absolutely love the question. And they say that entrepreneurs refuse to work 40 hours for somebody else. So instead, they work 80 hours for themselves. That in and of itself is, is extremely telling from a personality standpoint. You know, there, there was a book that I read, and I, I won't mention the name, but it, it was this book about how you can have everybody else do work for you and never have to work a day in your life and just travel around the world and, and, and you know, be as happy as you can be. And that book disturbed me to no end because, you know, there, there's, a, there's only a few people in the world who could, who could pull that off. And the rest of us have to work for a living. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we work because we enjoy what we do and we make a difference and we find purpose in our profession, in our, in our chosen jobs. Mm. And that book didn't, didn't do it for me. It messed me up for a few weeks after I read it. <laughs> but the entrepreneur mindset is not only how can I, how can I create, how can I generate whatever this thing is that, that, that we're looking for at, at the end of the tunnel, but how can I make it better? And I'm not willing to accept that where I am is where I'm going to be and that I, I've, I've found the best way. It's constant mm -hmm. iteration. And, you know, whether that's in the delivery of the product, whether that's in, you know, customer service, whether that's in the, the ideas or just staying on top of, of industry trends or, or whatnot, it's a, it's a willingness to learn 
to evaluate yourself and to make adjustments. Those are the most successful people I see. And just shameless plug here for a minute. It's also the people who are willing to listen to others. Mm-hmm. I meet people on occasion, not, not very often anymore, but I meet people who already have the answers to everything they need to do. And, and it's almost as though they're, they're coming to you to tell you that what's already in their mind is right. They're looking for confirmation or validation. Absolutely. Or I want you to do these five steps for me in this order and they're micromanaging the process and, and they're looking to you to be a, a task person as opposed to offering value to whatever it is they're looking to accomplish. Once you realize that we have the same goals here, which is to help each other out, we can grow together. It's not transactional. You know, my, 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 yes. pra- my practice is not you call us up one time, you know, we do something for you. We never hear from you again. That, that's not the, the types of clients that we want to work with. We want to see you succeed. We want to help you along the journey. And if there's, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many clients I've, I learn from on a weekly basis by the way that they handle a situation different from, from the way that I would. And let me give you a, a perfect, perfect example. And, and this floored me a few years ago when, when this example happened. I had a client who paid somebody, I want to say about $6,000 to do a job for them uh, in, in their office space. It was like flooring or something like that, the, the lace and flooring person either didn't do a good job for them or didn't finish or, you know, I, I don't remember all the specifics that that's not important, but my, I put my attorney hat on and I said, all right, let's, let's go after this guy. You know, let's get your $6,000 back and, you know, let's sue him. We're going to do this, that, and the other. And the client said, I would much rather spend my time looking for new business than I would focusing on going after this guy for, for the $6,000 that, that he stole from me or, 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 or took, took from me. It's that mentality right there is an entrepreneur's mindset. Mm-hmm. Am I going to chase new money, new business? Am I going to grow? Am I going to expand? Or am I going to be worried about the people who have wronged me and let that control my life? Yeah, absolutely. There's like, Oh man, you, you, you touch on so, so much there. Like, there's the conflict management in that, meaning do you care more about who's right or what's right? There's the sales piece. My background is in sales. And so I understand transactional sales versus relational sales. And ultimately, relational sales is all about building relationships, long-term relationships. Now, understand the best relationships add value to one another. When one side is only adding value, that's transactional. And oftentimes people in business get that confused. Well, they do this service, but what do you do back? If you're a business owner, if you run a business, even if you work for a company, but they allow you to operate like a 1099, what value do you bring to the customers? What do you add to them and do for them in addition to them paying you for those goods and services? There's something you can always learn. There's even, there's even, nuggets and information that you can get just by asking your customers what they do how do they do it because although it might be in a totally different industry totally the other end of the spectrum in terms of what you do in some of their business operations how they solve some of their daily challenges will give you insight and possibly out of the box ideas that you can implement in your own business it's so crazy 
everything you just described there is is, is relationship oriented. And you know, I, I was I was thinking as you're talking about how our economy in the U.S. has evolved into a relationship economy, a service economy. We're not in the back room of companies creating widgets that get shipped out to somebody through, you know, transactional arm's length experiences. You do business with people who you appreciate, who, who share similar values. And that is how your business grows. And, and if you don't let your values, if you don't make your values known and your, your business practices known, you're holding yourself back. Absolutely. You, you're not building trust. Trust has to exist in a business relationship because people do business with people that they like and they do business with people that they trust. Yeah. And you have yeah. to formulate that. If anything, that's what needs to have all the time and attention and efforts in planning, yeah. planning how you're going to build trust with your customers and maintain that trust. Yeah. Not so much the business plan and the nuts and bolts. That'll come with time. And, and that's fact, because even with these T-shirts, I think the focus has been building a client base outside of my circle, like my local friends and people in the community, building a base out of it and then maintaining those people. Mm. You know, you're just, you're just trying to find a different well. But that's, man, that's, y'all just dropped some dopeness right there, man. We talk about it all the time. Your network is your net worth. Net worth, yeah. Right? So yeah, if you yeah. can expand your circle, if you can expand your network, you in essence will have your net worth increase and grow. But keep in mind, you still have to maintain humility and find ways to add value to the people that you interact with and that you bring into your circle or who brings you into their circle. Mm-hmm. Don't come in with your hand out. That don't feel good. No, Money, add hands. value. Add Money, value in all situations. Okay. So Daniel, you've shared a lot of information about how to start a business. Um, you run your own business. So I would love to hear as an entrepreneur, some of the most impactful lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur. I'll be candid here and I'll say that I'm very good at giving others advice that I don't follow myself. That's everybody. <laughs> That's all of us. That's all of us. Oh, man. Oh. You know, I, I, I try not to spend money where I don't need to spend money. And that that's been one of the things that, that has kept us going. And, you know, whether that's on hiring the right employees or making the right investments in the community and, and supporting the right causes. Uh, the, those are things that are important to me as a business owner. And, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, what, what I do and what we all do can be very challenging, but are you able to sleep at night knowing that you handled yourself in an ethical manner and with professionalism and you did the right thing, whether for your client or, or whether for the community or, or whatever it is, right? I mean, it, owning a business is more than just delivering a service or delivering a product. And if you, if you look at it that way and you think about all of the other opportunities, owning a business allows you to engage in, then you're heading down the right path with that business. It, it's not just how much money came in, how much money went out. It's, it's what you can do with it, what, how you can make a difference in the lives that are in your network and how you can expand the, the network so that they can make a difference in, in, in your life and you can help make a difference in there. So that's, uh, it's been our philosophy from the start and, and sometimes lose sight of that, but we always have to 
remember that and that's what keeps you going. How do you manage your time? Because, you know, in the beginning, until you can grow the business and add employees, even in, when you add employees, that doesn't mean that you get a whole bunch of time back. You just shift where you focus. Yeah. When you hire employees, then you have to manage those employees. <laughs> you sure do. You sure do. Uh, right? A lot of times it's a lot more work. Yeah. I, uh, I don't manage my time the best. I, I, I manage it through, um, one of the unhealthy ways, which is not sleeping. Mm. <laughs> yeah. A few years ago, I, I made a commitment to live a healthier lifestyle and got into running and triathlon and, you know, a lot of, a lot of endurance type sports, which fortunately I'm, I'm able to multitask on, you know, a 10 or 15 mile run and use that as my planning for the day. So I'm, I'm helping, helping my body, helping my mind while, while I'm out running in the middle of the night. And, you know, cause I, I get up, I get up early, man. I, I get up two or three o'clock in the morning and, and go for go for a long run. But by the time I come back from that run, I have my entire day planned out. I've thought about the issues that are, uh, that I'm expecting to happen. I know what the first thing is I need to do when I get into the office. And, and those are things by the end of the day, I was just too spent to deal with, but I dealt with them first thing in the morning. And I was also helping my mind and body at the same time. So that that's been my time management strategy for the past couple of few years. The important question is not what time do you wake up? What time do you go to sleep? <laughs> as early as I can. <laughs> I get four to five hours. So. Four to five. Yeah. That, that, that suffices your, that keeps you functioning. You know, there's times on the weekends when uh, I, I just got to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm that way too. And I think that, you know, that speaks to how you utilize your 24 hours, you know, mm-hmm. and re- realizing or recognizing that it's totally yours um, to use. You don't get more time back. You can't create it, but you can find ways and schedules uh, to manage it better and still get what you need accomplished. I, I, I pose this question to a lot of people who will oftentimes say, I'm too busy I can't do it. I can't seem to find the time. I take it to a broader uh, scope of you have a problem in front of you, and this is a good way to tackle or attack any problem. You can't figure it out. Ask yourself, how can I make this work? Every time you feel yourself saying, I can't stop yourself and go, how can I make this work? Because you're going to systematically start working through the nuts and bolts of I could make it work if, if. I did this or I changed this. What often happens is we're not willing to let go of those other things that we either consider luxuries, yeah. right? Or, or, or things that we like, we want to do, but we don't necessarily need to do. And that's where sacrifice comes in. You, David Goggins would say, you're just making excuses. If exactly. You don't have the time to do this or you don't have the time to do that. Then, then what excuses are you making for that? And you just mm-hmm. to be, to be lazy. Uh, the, the other thing, uh, the, the other uh, psychological study that's out there, similar to what we're talking about here is um, by Carol Dweck and it, it's fixed versus um, growth, growth mindsets. Yeah. Fixed mm-hmm. versus growth mindsets. And, and mm-hmm. I, I listen to that book on, on audiobook uh, ho- at least once a year. And I'm probably due now because I've, I've found myself putting, putting my mindset in fixed ways in a number of areas that I, I can recognize them when it happens. And I know that's a fixed mindset. You, you need to need to change it. But having that, uh, have, having that book fresh, fresh on uh, the mind is always helpful for me. That's awesome. Give us 
we don't ask this to every guest, but I am really curious. Give us three people who inspire you. Mm, that one's tough. The, the first one is going to be my grandmother, who is what, what we call the matriarch of our, our very large and dispersed family. And she has been through a lot. She was the youngest of 10 children and has now reached a stage in life where all of her, her cousins and you know aunts and uncles and, and whatnot are not here any longer. And so she's, she's left to, to maintain the, uh, the balance for the rest of us. And, and she does it the best that she can at, at 91 years old. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, Two, and this this one might sound a little little cliche, but Barack Obama and his leadership strategies, and I, I listened to his uh, his his biography recently. I guess it's an autobiography, and the strategy behind everything that he had to get to, and and what little bit he was allowed to accomplish in in his time is more than what what he should have had to had to go through to, to get there and and you know i i don't i'm, I'm not a politics person so I, I don't know how much of that is uh, present in many situations but to me i think he had a lot more to overcome than um than, than, than most others mm-hmm. the third one i might have to think about that one that one for a minute it's usually the hardest one <laughs> it's usually the hardest you know, there have been so many people who have impacted my life in in major, major ways, whether whether you know they realized it or not. Um, going back to teachers in elementary and high school and, and college, and people who were always just willing to sit down and have a conversation and and let you be yourself, and them give you unbiased, raw advice. So, um, I've, I've been very fortunate to be around many of these people through happenstance. It's, it's, you know, it's not about being in the, nothing I did to put myself in, in front of them. Uh, it just happened that I was. So um, I, don't, I don't know about number three, but I, I certainly pay credence to a lot of the teachers I've had. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll lump those in. Shane, you got any other questions? Um, as a businessman, what was your biggest blunder? This week or in general? <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> whichever one is freshest on your mind, my brother. Um, you know, you, you get into situations where you're 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 a little busy and um you, you might pass up the right client or you might accept the wrong client. Mm. Um I'm gonna focus on the latter for a moment here. I've had, I, I've not had to fire many clients in, in my time, but, uh, the, there's one theme across all of them that I have had to fire. And I, I look for this now and I'll, I'll give you this knowledge and, and hopefully, uh, it, it works the same for you, but I've had a number of people who sit and try to convince me that they use this phrase it's over and over and over. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. This happens to me. This happens to me. This happens to me, but I'm not a bad guy. They have worked so hard to convince themselves that they are not a bad person, that they have to convince others of it nonstop. And, they, and subconsciously that they, they don't, they don't realize that they're doing it. That's a trigger word for me. As soon as I hear that phrase, I know that they're not the right client for me. Mm. So my, my blunder is not picking up on that earlier 
and uh, reminding myself now that uh, they're, they're not my best clients going forward. That's dope. And it just comes back to a mindset. If that's something that you're convincing yourself of, where are we starting? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like nicknames. You're not allowed to give yourself a nickname, right? <laughs> <laughs> other people have to give you the you name. Can't give you that so. nickname. If, yeah, you, you, you are, came up with your own nickname. Yeah, if you're telling people you're not a bad guy, right? You don't get to you don't get to give yourself that nickname. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how the game goes. Well, look, let's let's close this out, man. You you've given us so much, and we appreciate this information because this is information that you would give a client, and we just got it. Uh, for free, unless Shane is paying you something after this. <laughs> no, but he oh, sure okay. gonna get be getting more phone calls from me because I didn't understand <laughs> about that he was disconnected with starting businesses. So hey, Man, buddy, <laughs> this is his world. This is his passion. So yeah. here, let's end on this note. And I, I found this quote, and I'll even share this. Like I, I found this quote this morning, right before we started, because I forgot, and I said, "Oh man, I need a quote." Open my phone, and this was the first thing that revealed to me, and it says. Never start a business just to make money. Start a business to make a difference. Yes, sir. Add value. Add value. Uh-huh. Daniel, we appreciate you. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your attention, your expertise. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for being who you are. We look forward to connecting with you and interacting with you more. We really do appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and hopefully uh, add, added some value to, to the rest of the day. Sure Absolutely. Did. Absolutely. So to our, <laughs> to our audience, like always, we appreciate you. We love you. We thank you for rocking with us. Continue to like, subscribe, share the show. If you haven't already, shoot us some feedback, connect with us. We want to interact with you. And as always, go live life on purpose. We out. I'm running for